Now, here is an amazing story that you might have seen some hints of over the last few years. It is the daughter of Dubai's ruler who escaped from her home and then appeared to be held captive. And Panorama have obtained some video messages from her of what was happening to her. And we're going to hear about it now from Nawal Al-Magafi, BBC Special Correspondent. Hello. Hi, how are you, Adam? Good, thank you. And James Landale, our diplomatic correspondent, is here too. Hello. To tie up the diplomatic aspects of this. This story has got... Let's go back to the start, Nawal. So talk about her escape, first of all. Okay, so Princess Latifa first tried to escape in actually June 2002. Mm. Now, the furthest she got was Oman. She was captured at the border and then she was taken back to Dubai and imprisoned. I think around three years later, she was allowed to go back to her normal life, which isn't a very normal life. Um, And then she attempted to escape again in February 2018. You know, this escape took years of planning. She was planning it since 2011. Um, And the plan was to... um, drive over to Oman and then get to India, then to the United States to seek asylum. As she was crossing the Indian Ocean in a yacht, she was recaptured by commandos on the yacht. Um, She'd filmed a video a week earlier. I'm making this video because it could be the last video I make. Yeah. And if you are watching this video, it's not such a good thing. Either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. And things did go badly wrong. Um, She was recaptured eight days after leaving. At the time, no one actually knew what happened to her after she was recaptured. Mm. It took months before we saw anything come from her or from her family. And it wasn't until pictures of this extraordinary lunch were released. The lunch were with the UN Human Rights Commissioner, Mary Robinson, and Princess Haya, her stepmother. Um, So these photos were released and then Mary Robinson came on on BBC Radio 4 where she said that she met Princess Latifa, that she's a troubled young woman and that she is in the loving care of her family. And that's really all the UAE needed to bolster their claim that she was all well Mm. and, and good. So a lot of time has passed since then. Panorama has obtained these new videos and in the videos Princess Latifa goes into a lot of detail about where she's being held captive what the conditions are like, and they're quite horrific. Well, let's hear a bit of one now. Sure. I'm really uh, reaching a point now where I'm just getting so tired of everything. Um, It's like a circus. I don't want to be a hostage in this jail villa. I just want to be free. I I don't know what they're planning to do with me. I really don't know. So the... The situation is getting more desperate every day, and um, I, yeah, I'm just really, really tired of this now. And you can hear a bit of the panorama scary music on there. But I mean, it's a scary enough situation for her without the scary music, isn't it? It's really sad. And in those videos, you just see how pale she's become. Um So, yeah, so, you know, we obtained these videos and in the videos, she also goes into detail not only about where she's being held captive, that she's in this villa in central Dubai, barred up windows, solitary confinement. She has 30 guards on rotation guarding her. Um, She hasn't been given a toothbrush in the last three years. She's been in the same clothes that she was wearing in that yacht uh, when she was captured three years ago. But she also goes into detail about that lunch with Mary Robinson and she tells you the true story of what's happened. 
happened, how she was basically duped into it. Um, so we spoke to Mary Robinson about what, you know, we didn't tell what Prince La Princess Latifah said. Everyone's mm. watching that for the first time today on the panorama. But um, we asked her about that lunch. And she says that she was misled, that she was told this extraordinary story on the day. And here is Mary Robinson, former UN Commissioner for Human Rights and a former president of Ireland, talking about it. I was misled initially by my good friend, Princess Haya, because she was misled. Haya began to explain that uh, Latifa had quite a serious bipolar problem. And they were saying to me, uh, very kind of, in a way that was very convincing, we don't want Latifa to go through any further trauma. I, I didn't know how to address somebody who was bipolar about their trauma, but I really didn't actually want to talk to her and, and increase the trauma over a nice lunch. And why has this all come to light now? What actually changed? So her friends who were the ones receiving all these videos um, haven't heard from her in months. That phone has gone silent. And they're really, really concerned about her well-being. They're really concerned. You know, they're they want to know whether she's still alive. Um, and so they've decided that now is the time to put these videos out, that this is what she would want. She would want them to go as public as possible, to put on as much pressure to get the international community to act and to get the UN to act too. And James, is this just a very dramatic family drama or, or are there kind of like world consequences for this? Uh, it's a bit of both. I mean, it clearly is a family drama, an extraordinary family drama in a way that, you know, uh, the word family stretched to the to the limit of the meaning of the word in, in mm. our understanding of it. But what it does do is it poses a very familiar question about the relationship between liberal dem democracies in the West uh, and the Gulf monarchies. That is not a new question, it's an old question, and it's essentially this. There is a relationship of mutual dependence. Gulf states like the UAE, they like buying our arms, they like buying our technology, uh, they like sending their kids to school here, they like mm. uh, learning from the, you know, the, the Britain's education, but at the same time, the British government and the British economy likes Emirati money. Uh, the oil, the petrochemical, do petrodollars that yeah. come out of there. Uh, there is a huge relationship, financial relationship in the UK um, that you can, uh, Emirati money in football teams, in hotels, in, in ports, in property. Across the piece, there is a, a large amount of Emirati money here, which is why when a story as big as this that's dominating all the airwaves, that's topping all the, the, mm. the, the news websites at the moment, there is a deafening diplomatic silence out there. You are not hearing lots of voices saying something must be done. You are not hearing people say Britain should revisit its relationship with the UAE. A lot of people are being very cautious about this. Mm. But what I've noticed lately in a lot of these big global stories is that the energise bits of the public. So you had the NSAR stuff in Nigeria. There was lots of young Nigerians sharing stuff on social media in the UK saying we need to care about this. With the protests in India we were hearing about a few weeks ago, again, like the big diaspora in the UK. But this is a story that captures people's imagination. And you can imagine the, the, the kidnapped princess. People are going to start putting pressure on the government to have a position on this, aren't they? Because it's just something that grabs your attention. Absolutely. And, and, and government ministers will have to have a position on it. They are working hard on what that position may be now. Uh, simply because, as you say, the, I think the sheer weight of this story 
Um, I mean, you can just say, look, this is this is about, you know, a princess that not many people know that much about. And, you know, it's happening over there. But the point is, is that, you know, well over a million Brits go to this country every year for their holidays. Um, 100,000 Brits call it their home. Mm. Um, there is 18 billion pounds worth of mutual trade between the UK and the UAE each, each year. You know, that is a deep relationship. And yet we have a government that says it wants to be a, quote, force for good in the world, that is making great play on human rights, imposing human rights sanctions on people they consider. Oh, and, and women know, and girls is one uh, of the themes as well. Uh, 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 women's education and uh, uh, rights and values, all of that absolutely is, is a key mm. element of what this government does. However, um, this is also a government that is uh, in need of investment um, uh, uh, the, the current time, the state of the economy, uh, and it needs investment from where it can. Um, and I think it will be very cautious before picking a fight that it might feel it doesn't need to uh, have at the moment. If you think about it, there was a court case last year when a British judge stood up and said, you know what, this, this Sheikh Mohammed, this ruler of Dubai, he has intimidated his wife. He has abducted and he has forcibly removed not only the princess who we're talking about today, but also another one in, in a previous circumstance. Um, uh, the judge said, I don't think this guy has been open and honest with the court. Right. Mm. And yet, did this change anything? I, I've yet to see any evidence that it did. Mm. And Noel, have you been getting grief from the, the government of Dubai? No, well, we been... call it the government. It's the, the family that runs Dubai, really, isn't it? Until now, complete silence. But I won't be running off for a holiday in Dubai anytime soon. But well, I think... we're not allowed. But <laughs> exactly. if you were. <laughs> yeah. But also, I think it's really interesting what you say. I think, you know, a lot of Brits do go to Dubai and they're completely oblivious to, to what happens behind the scenes uh, in the UAE. But what's also really interesting is this double standards, you know, this standard that the UAE has for Westerners who go and enjoy the luxuries of the UAE and the standards that are set for Emiratis and especially Emirati women. You have you know, the UAE princess, his own daughter, wanting to enjoy the freedoms that he gives to other Westerners that, you know, go to the UAE every time. And, and she was denied them. And, and as soon as she's tried to flee, this is what happened. So it'll be really interesting to see how Emiratis in Dubai and in the UAE react to this as well. Noel and James, thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Adam. And you can see and hear much more about that amazing story on Panorama, which is available on BBC iPlayer.